Okay, so what I want to do this morning is I want to look at a few different things. I'm just going to go as I felt God lay this on my heart to kind of do, and we'll kind of break bread together at the end. And, you know, we're on a journey here. God is clearly doing something with us as in this community. We can feel it. We can sense it. There's a move of God that is taking place here with that. It's how we steward it. It's how we trust Him and how we believe Him that He's walking us into all these things. But I think it's essential that we understand the depths where God is leading us as a people and that we don't act ignorantly. We don't just say, yes, I know the truth. The word says that they would know the knowledge of the truth. That word knowledge means that there's a study and an understanding of what God is saying to us. Okay, so it's not just, yeah, I know the truth. I've got it. A knowledge of the truth. It's a depth of understanding that God is calling into. So what I want to do is I want to just start with a process of looking through the tabernacle of Moses and go through this process of the three areas, outer court, inner court, and the most holy of holies, likening that to our flesh, to our souls, and then to the Spirit of God that's inside of us. And I want to relate it to the story of John the Baptist, and I want us to speak about Peter, who also had an, a, a, a moment in his life where he kind of made a big mistake in the things of what Jesus told him, but how he got overcame and he stood firm in that. I just want to pray. I feel there's something in the room. You guys have got to open your hearts to what God is doing here this morning in this time. Father, we thank you that we've experienced you by the power of your spirit in worship. Father, I pray that as my words speak over hearts of people this morning, there'd be an awakening, there'd be an opening to understand the truths of what you are showing us in this time and season. We want to thank you, Lord, that you're about a good work with us. We thank you for the miracles that are taking place in hearts. We thank you for the miracles that are taking place in lives. And we stand firm on your word. We stand on the truth of who you are to us today, Lord Jesus. So you be exalted. Amen? Amen. So I'm going to come down a little bit. That's why I'm holding this thing. You don't have to turn your necks, okay, to see me. I just want to give you a little context of what I want to explain. If we look at the tabernacle of Moses and all of us where the chairs are, Okay, I want you to consider that as being the outer court. Okay, and if you understand how the tabernacle of Moses worked, is that the priest was assigned to be able to go into the tabernacle and go through the process of going through this. Okay, so what did you have in the outer court? You had the brazen altar. Okay, and you had a wash bowl where the priests would clean themselves with water before they processed in it. So sacrifice was done and the, the process of the bulls and all the cows and all that were put on there were offered to God in this place. Let's just picture that as this being this environment. So in our context, this is the flesh. Okay? The next part will be the soul. The next part will be the spirit. So as we walk through, okay, the understanding of this, the outer court, the brazen altar, as I said, okay, I just want to get all my stuff here. This is essentially the part where we would say in our walk now, we must understand we live in a new covenant. Okay, so we don't have to go through these rituals and process, but if you look in the old covenant, you read through those passages in Exodus, the detail given to how it was set up was so detailed. Do you think God is now undetailed in how we process? I don't think so. He carries that same heart that we walk through with integrity. So essentially, this part would be like a salvation to us. That representing of the blood being shed with the sacrifices was the sacrifice that Jesus paid as the perfect sacrifice for us and allowed us to enter into salvation. So your first place you are saved is in your mind because it's repenting. Repenting means change the way I think. So it's the first port of call. You wear the helmet of salvation. 
So that's your first port of call. That you say, right, I am now one with Christ because of the blood that he shed for me. There's the outer court. And the, there would, you would be baptized. The baptizing, baptizing of, the, uh, of, the, of the, um, the priests was almost symbolic to them cleansing their bodies before they went through this ritual and process of walking deeper. Then we enter into the inner courts, which we can maybe mark as this carpet area. Okay? This would be the place of your soul. Okay, so now the soul is made up of mind, will, and emotions. So essentially, you are out of court, you've been saved. There's a process and an encounter and an experience where you are filled with the Holy Spirit. And what that does, your experience of what God is. Now, you must remember, every step here is by faith. We believe by faith. We don't, it's, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, you will be saved. It's by faith. Someone who doesn't have faith can't believe the things that we're seeing and the things we are believing in. It's by faith. So by faith, you know the acknowledgement of the Holy Spirit that touches your inner being, and there's an awakening inside of you through an experience of being filled with the Holy Spirit. There could be the manifestation of tongues that comes with that. And then at a later time, you would have the experience of speaking tongues. But this essentially would be the place where your soul would be as just in a, in a correlation of the outer, the inner, and the holy of holies. Now remember, your soul is made of, of mind, will, and emotions. So there's nothing wrong with this position. Okay? This is beautiful. And I want to tell you here that most believers sit in this place. So your mind is your thoughts. So what does Paul say? Take captive every thought. You have the choice in this place to make a decision whether you're going to choose between life or death. So the thoughts that come to you that are good thoughts, you think on such things. Paul says, think on such things. He says, set your mind on things above. There's a place of renewing and refreshing. You see, your soul is the gateway for more. This is where the enemy plays games with us. Okay? Your will. What is your will? Your will is a drive inside of you to do things, okay? Your will might be driven by God speaking to you. It might be driven by a desire and a passion inside of you to achieve certain things. But essentially, when you are being spiritual, there's a spiritual will to serve God. There's a foundation and a drive inside of you. I want to live my life for the Almighty, for the King of Kings, okay? And that drive, Paul, and as I preached the other Sunday, speaks about will worship, where in Colossians he speaks about the process where basically will worship is that you are putting it to yourself that you, the harder you try, the more spiritual you can get. It doesn't work like that. The gift of righteousness to you sets your spirit free, and your soul is the process of working and understanding how these things as a gateway work through you. Again, you have the decision, you can, the will to do evil. Some people are driven by the will to do evil. Some people fall into wicked ways. But we are coming alive by the Spirit of God inside of us. We live according to the truth of what Jesus has given us. And our will is to serve Him. And then you get your emotions. You are all very emotional in the worship. Is there something wrong with that? Not at all. But I promise you, the Oaks at Rugby against the Stormers and the Lions were also emotional yesterday. So you get emotion, emotions expressed and experienced in different ways. The point is that when we are in this place of the inner court, and what you've got in there is you've got the showbread, you've got the glasses of the wine, you've got the menorah, that's candles with the seven things standing up, and you've got the altar of incense. 
okay, that is basically the fire that burns permanently representing the presence and the fire of God that burns. So you're in this place. You see, here it's like a gateway. Gateway place for more, for experiencing more in God. I've said here before, emotion is not truth. I really don't believe emotion is not truth because your emotions will deceive you. If you're not feeling good, you don't feel like praying. (laughs) So you don't pray. So who wins there? Your emotions aren't leading you. Your emotions don't lead you. They are feelings and experiences to help us experience things. That's how God's designed us. So when uh, the song that came to me this morning, that nothing in this world will satisfy. See, this is the point of your soul feeling satisfied by stuff. You are satisfied by the things. So if you buy a fancy, nice car, and I've experienced this, you buy a car, you feel good. You feel satisfied. But it's temporary. It only lasts for a while. You see, Bernard and Maxine, we had a celebration on Friday afternoon. You feel good because you're doing right for the things of God setting in order of your life. But now the journey continues. And just that fleeting moment is not going to last forever. You can't be stuck in this environment of just your emotions that are leading. It's good to have emotion and to experience and feel things, but it doesn't lead you. Because when we sing that song, nothing in this world can satisfy, the point is Jesus satisfies that you are satisfied so much with the reality and the realm of Him being in and through your life, nothing else can compare to the touch and the love and the closeness of the Almighty God that's in and through you. Nothing will satisfy you. You can have all sorts of, all the riches in the world will not satisfy you. This is where the enemy plays games with us too. In this region of your soul, it's the gateway for working and refining. That's why David says, awake my soul, awake my soul. And we often see, hear those lines, my soul is refreshed. So it depends what you are putting through yourself. What you're reading, what you're looking at, what you're wanting to be told, how you feel, how those things are, you decide. But the power of the Almighty in you allows you to be spiritual at these points. That's what God's calling us. He's calling us deeper. Just think, keep saying undo, cancel, undo. Okay, so we want to be, I don't want to be stuck in the point of experience with God. Just, oh, it felt so good to worship again. Oh, it's, it's good. The things with God will last and they will touch you, but it's deeper than that. There's more than this. You see, going to rugby, I love it. I love watching South Africa nearly win the cricket and the other day win the cricket. Man, it's awesome. It's lacquer, but it's fleeting, man. That stuff, don't. Give you any go for the rest of your life. These things of the Lord are the things that sustain you. Okay? See, now you understand the process. You've been sprinkled by the blood or washed clean by the blood that was sacrificed for you from that outer court as a process. Coming in through salvation, a place where the Spirit of God allows you to experience more in Him and you know the life of Christ. You can only enter by the blood. It's not just a free-for-all. You can't just walk in here and go, okay, here I am. See the detail. This is where the detail comes in. It's not frivolous, the way we approach God. It's not just, yeah, on, on my terms. See, that mountain is almost the same place here. God wants us all to be on the mountaintop. He's calling us higher. And I think that white also represents the cleansing and the righteousness being washed as white as snow. Yes, it's His presence. That's what does it for us. Okay. Now, the reality is, now we know in this place, you're dealing with stuff in your life. There might be cycles of sin. 
cycles of strongholds of thinking, cycles of addiction that in your life, does that stop you from entering into, this holy, into, this, into the inner court? Essentially being filled with the Spirit, it doesn't hinder us being in here, right? But you have to come through the, ra- the gateway of His blood being shed for you. And I, I'm telling you, most Christians sit in this realm. Because we get comfortable with our routines of life, essentially routines of sin, routines of addiction, and we kind of find identity around what these things are labeling us by, and we fall short of what God has fully got for us. Okay? What happens in this place is your character is molded and formed. Let's read Romans 5. Romans 5, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Him, we have obtained access, okay? That word access is only used three times in the New Testament. It speaks about the place God and Jesus has allowed us to access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. This is a place of transformation. It's a place of deepening. It's a place of the Almighty working in and through us. Again, it's by experience. Then, we just get to enter and we walk into the Holy of Holies. And we just are before the throne of the Almighty God. You cannot get here unless you've laid your life down before before Christ and His blood has paved the way. Surrendered your life before the Almighty And this place of His holy and holies, there's no sin here. There's not said in the Bible, but there's tradition would say this. That when the priests would go in, and they would cleanse themselves, and they would go through this process of coming in, they would tie a rope to their foot, and they would have bells on the end of their their robes. That if the bell stopped ringing, they knew He wasn't alive. And they would drag him out. Because you do not come before the Almighty with frivolous. Oh, here we go. Doing the rituals and that kind of stuff. We can do that so easily as believers. And this place of the Holy of Holies is essentially what we've understood. That word Anopian. Where it's, the, it's that place before the throne of God. That's called us deeper into his place. It's where we know and see him face to face. It's the pl- a place you know, that, that we can live from by the divine nature that's been given to us. You see, as I said about your character is formed and shaped in this environment here. That word character always sticks out to me. Like, what is character? So, this is the dictionary. The combination of traits and qualities distinguishing the individual nature of a personal thing. Moral force, integrity, and reputation. The individual nature of a person. Your nature should reveal by Christ. should be Christ. That's living from the divine nature. Again, this is all by faith 
as we enter this place of His presence. His presence is with us in each point, but it goes deeper and deeper in our lives. I want to tell you there's no sin in this point, in this place. Now you're saying, well, then who can enter? We can all enter. We can all, have you heard this line before often? We've said, we live from His presence. But this is the thing I see most of us do, is we enter in by the blood, we thank Jesus, I'm a child of God, we enter in, our spirits are are worshiping, and through our souls we feel refreshed as we worship and we glorify God, and then we leave, we go out through the same way. So we go, so what we're working from is, sure, thank goodness I'm saved, my life, the things that I deal with and stuff, but the reality is we should actually keep walking forward and walk into His presence, and keep walking through. That's the way out. So then when you deal with your finances, when you're dealing with relationships, when you're dealing with your marriage, when you're dealing with people at work, you're dealing with every circumstance, it's from the presence. Not from, sure, I'm righteous, God's given me everything. It's from the place of the depths of His glory that He invites you into. You see, It's not frivolous. It's not just, oh, well, you know, yeah, we are experiencing God. I want to say there's a deeper context that God is calling us into here. And part of this is not settling for what the things we've identified in our lives as struggles. And I want to say this very clearly, that sin is not your suffering. See, I'm I'm just suffering. Oh, it's my cross to bear. It's my thorn in the flesh. What we're trying to do there is we're trying to identify with the struggle. So what we say is, and I'll say it again, sin is not your suffering. Disobedience is not your suffering. Okay? I had one other word there. And sickness. Sickness is not your suffering. Well, this is what the Lord has just given to me. No. No then you're stuck here. You're stuck here. Yeah, well, this is who it is, and there's, there's more, folks. There's more. So when we say those things and we identify with them, it's not that you're doing this intentionally, but actually there's more for freedom for you to walk into this place where you can overcome sin. You can be obedient to what God's called you to be, and you can walk in divine health. See, when our... When the, the point of suffering, okay, is it's suffering for the gospel of the kingdom. It's your, your life being an example with the character that's the divine nature, the character that you live by, that's the thing that's an example to the world. So how you deal with your staff, how you deal with people around you, the values that you carry will always be from the tree of life. I, I was thinking about this this morning. This part here is almost like the tree of knowledge of good and evil. This section down by the inner court, because we get to choose, well, you're wrong, I'm right. Ugh, well, I'm stuck in this, but I'm pursuing good, but ugh, it's, just, it's just in this all the time, and I'm pursuing good. So it's this tussle between two. You're missing out of the depths of what God is calling us as a people. This is not a rebuke. This is not a condemnation. This is where God's got us. This is what He's showing us. This is what He's revealing to us at this time. He's saying, come up here. Come up here. Come up the mountain. Let's all do that prophetically on the 29th of February. We all climb the mountain. You keen? Chef, easy, eh? Easy, eh? Yeah. <laughs> I'll stand for all of you. Errol, you do that side. I'll do that side. 
I'll proxy you. I'll proxy you guys. And you can visit me in Constantinburg on Monday morning. Yeah. Okay. This point here is eating from the tree of life. It's not about wrong or right. It's not about the sin, whether I'm overcoming or not. You have overcome when you stand in this position. And this is the place of encounter. And I speak about the encounters that God shaped my life with. And when you press into His presence, and you can overcome. Now, there's a tussle here. People say, but I'm always going to sin. I'm always going to have these things. Yes, that's why He came as a sacrifice for you. But if that's your standpoint, and that's your starting point, you're missing out of the more that God's got for us. I know, I know the struggles. I know those things. I'm not a fae to them. I'm a man. I experience just like you do. The past is not elevated high above everybody else and doesn't feel like you people. You must, you must hear that. You know the joy of leading a church is that I actually get to study the Word and have to say it. It, it, it builds me up. So go home and study the Word and preach to the table. Preach to your dog. Preach to your cat. Seriously, I used to preach in the car on the way to work. Just talk. I've been doing it for years before I started leading a church. But you know what it did? It refines you. It refreshes you. It builds you up. It makes you stand firm in the things of God and the Almighty. And you know what? This thing is so simple. But in our modern world, we've complicated it. And we've made, become clever about how we approach these things. And essentially what we've done is we've given illness and sickness a label and actually it's sin. So then you're stuck in this point. God's drawing us deeper. He's calling us deeper and deeper into His presence so that we learn to live from this place. So I want to speak over you. You can overcome. You are an overcomer. You are no longer needing to be bound by the things the enemy has to steal, kill, and destroy over your life. It's a choice you make. What did he say to Joshua? I think it's to Joshua. And he says, I can't remember the context of it. It says, you choose life or death. Choose blessing or curse. I think it's the context And Joshua says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I don't think those two link. Are they linked? I don't think so. I think it's Genesis more. Is the ble- Abraham, blessing or curse and uh, life or death. Deuteronomy, does say. It's in there. It's in the Bible. At least I'm preaching from the Bible. Eh? It's not my own thoughts here. Okay. There's a depth that God is calling us into that we're not going to get stuck in that cycle. You overcome. I've experienced the power of the Spirit break things off of my life, break them free, break them free. Now, I want to liken it to the story of John the Baptist and for Peter. And look at some characters and how we walk through this. You see, and what we're doing in the season is the whole point of fasting, like I've said to you, is it starves the flesh that cries out for stuff. That outer court there. The flesh desiring things. And you're disciplining your body from that position and place so that when you step in deeper, it's not from a place of breaking things. You're walking in free knowing that you are actually with self-control in charge of your flesh. When your flesh runs away from you, you're in trouble. And you just wander off on paths and then we, oh, we come back. I'm back. I'm back. I'm back. Okay? What happens during fasting is that it reveals the flesh. It reveals your motives. It reveals your habits. It reveals your shortcomings. It's not to condemn, but learning to choose life and holiness 
from other things that will satisfy your soul. I've realized with myself with food, we have a love-hate relationship, eh? And it, it shows. I know, it shows. But you know what? To say no to stuff is hard. That's why we have to fast. Because you are teaching this flesh to say, uh-uh. You know what that discipline does? It'll teach you to do other things with temptation. Say, no, I can say no to that. Temptations that come your way, that come whatever they might be. Whatever they might be. Let's look at John the Baptist. I'm not going to go to these verses, but I'm going to speak to this context. And what struck me about the story about John is that he was, he was affected by the process in his own life. And reading a book recently, the guy likened his story to the same as Elijah. Now, we all know the story about Elijah where he overcame all the uh, prophets of Baal. And I think it was 7,000 prophets that he took out as the fire fell from heaven. But what happened to him after that? depressed, hiding under a bush, saying, take me now. What is my life worth? From there to there. We've all experienced that, right? Life's good. Psalm 42 speaks about, awake, you know, deep cries out to deep. Where were you? Out front leading the procession. You were out there leading it. Where are you now? Come on, awake. Come on, get back to that point. There's this thing, and life does that. I've had seasons like this. So then you liken to John the Baptist. And the spirit of Jezebel was after Elijah. And her name was Jezebel. And the, the spirit of Jezebel has been connotated to that character in the Bible. The spirit of Jezebel is not a spirit that will necessarily possess you. But it's a governmental spirit that will wield its way into powers like governmental structures to wield control. And to wield power in a way that they can be in charge. So Ahab was a weak man. And that spirit came into that home, and she was actually leading the country, not him. She was telling him what to do. And I've experienced the Jezebel spirit. It wields its way in very slowly and tries to take over. You can't necessarily cast it out. You have to stand up to it and create no room and environment for it to operate. So now let's look at the story of John. So John, we all know, John the Baptist declared Isaiah prophecy from 700 years ago that there's make a way in the wilderness, make a way for the Lord. He's coming. The kingdom of God is at hand. He kept preaching these words. Okay, just some phrases what John would said on Matthew 3. He said, one who's coming after me, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He's exalting Jesus. He's lifting him high. When Jesus came to him in Matthew 3 to be baptized, he said, you need to baptize me. Why was I baptized you? And Jesus said, no. We will fulfill all righteousness by you baptizing me now. Just think of those, all righteousness. So by Jesus going through the water as a symbol of what we would do, when he came up out the water, his father reckoned over him, this is my beloved son, whom I'm well pleased. He affirmed him. You see, in our baptism, it's the same process. The Father God affirms over our lives. But all righteousness was fulfilled. He is our righteousness. You see, he walked a path for us. And followed a process. We'll have baptisms in a few months' time. If you haven't been baptized, go through this process of being dead to your old life and alive to what Christ has called you to be now. Things that John said in John 3, 22, he said, speaking about Jesus, always exalting him. He must increase. I must decrease. Always exalting him. You think about the Pharisees came out to the desert for him to rebuke them, you brood of vipers. You know, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. That is what you say to them. 
I mean, he must have been an interesting man. He must have offended. But he came with a message. Man, what a forerunner for Jesus. And it got to this point in Luke 7. Are you the one we should wait for? Or is there another? Are you the one to come? Or is there another? How did he get from there to there? Now, the similar context is interesting there. Herod had married a woman called Herodias. Herod had a brother called Philip. And Philip's wife was actually Herodias. And Herod took Herodias as his wife. And John said to him, that's wrong. That you're not allowed to do that. And he, and he challenged him. And Herod didn't like it. So he put him in prison. He didn't kill him because he was regarded as a prophet to the people. He knew it caused an outroar if it did that. But then, sneakily, there's the Jezebel spirit in that woman. Her daughter does a beautiful dance. Ask anything and I will give it to you. In those days, an oath, <laughs> when it was given, your word was true, you couldn't recount it. Re go back on it. Recant on it. Give me the head of John the Baptist. Whew. She danced beautifully, and he had to abide to her word. And John was killed. What spirit stood in there? You see, the enemy uses, unfortunately, he uses agents on this earth to promote his mission. And the people that are susceptible to it and are open to it will be used for his evil works. Just the same as the Almighty God has filled you with the Spirit of God to do the great things for His kingdom, He has possessed you by His Spirit. That's what He's done. We say He's possessed by the devil. You've been possessed by the Spirit of God, of life that sits inside of you to bring life and change. Hey, how powerful is that? So essentially, John fell into offense. He fell into disappointment. In his own heart and life saying, really, from there to there. If I'm honest with you, over these last few months, I have questioned a bit of God saying, God, you've said a lot to us as a community. You've got big promises to us. The prophets keep saying it. We hear it over and over again. It keeps confirming what you're saying to us as a community. But I had to go through some testing. And I'm saying, well, God, are you really going to use us as a people or... Are you going to do this through someone else? There's a point you've got to go through these things. Because if you, I'll read a little bit later, a passage about Peter. There's that thing that we spoke about in James, the testing of your faith. If it's not tested, how do you know it can stand? If I go to school and don't, didn't write any exams, I wouldn't know how stupid I am. Okay? You've got to, you've got to apply yourself. So your walk in God is going to be tested. And in that testing, the enemy brings temptation. So John, knowing being a forerunner, knowing what he had called and lived for the things of God, by on the account of him standing for truth and opposing what was happening in the day, he was stuck in prison and he took offense, basically thinking, well, Jesus should come and rescue me. He should come get me out of this one. And it didn't happen. How many of you felt that? You were there, forerunning, going for the things of God, and someone said something, something happened, you tried something, and it didn't work, and you essentially took offense with God and you didn't walk free because Jesus says those words there when they when John's disciples come to him and say uh, uh, John's asking are you the one to come and we smoke he says see the leper being healed see the blind being seen see the dead being raised he's telling him all the things that are actually happening that he was spoken about this forerunning 
He's seeing it all take place. He's seeing it all happen. And he says, he speaks about the one that takes offense on me. And I think we've got stuck here a little bit. We are too scared to try things because it's gone wrong before. And it didn't work out the way you thought it was going to be. So in a sense, it's not like a major offense. Well, I'm not talking to you again. You hold this place in your heart going, I don't know. And you hover here in the inner court. Saying, well, God, are you going to do this again? And you don't press in deeper. Because last time I tried that, <laughs> you didn't come through for me. But he might be testing you to see how much you want it, to see how much you desire and to press in. And I always think about the thing with John the Baptist is that he came arriving, starting to submerge people in water, in baptism. And I thought, was that something new that he'd just done? That who, where, was, where did this come from? He was a baptism of repentance. He says, the winnowing fork is in his hand, and he is coming. I baptize you with water, but he's going to baptize you with fire and the Holy Spirit. So actually him submerging people in water was symbolic of what the priests used to go through when they used to stand in the outer courts and their robes and that they would, they would disrobe in a way and they would submerge themselves in water as a symbol of cleansing before they came and walked into the inner courts in the Holy of Holies. I was like, wow, that makes sense now. So when someone initiated to the Jewish culture and the Jewish religion, they would also do as an initiation a submergence underwater in their culture and their tradition. See, so baptism's not a new thing, like it's ours, it's us Christians. No, it was the power of repentance was added to it. So when he started baptizing people on the Jordan River, that's why all the Pharisees and all the priests and the chief of the law came out saying, who are you? you baptizing people repentance, like, like we do that. Why can you now do that? You see? Now understanding why they came out to the desert to be rebuked by him. It was a new order that's being set in place. Baptized with water, but Jesus came by his spirit and he's going to baptize you with fire. Have you been baptized with fire? Have you encountered the living God where you know the shackles and the bonds of things in your own life have been broken off and have set you free? Have you been touched by the fire of the Almighty God? It doesn't rise within you. It falls on you. Let's look at Peter. Peter. Big mouth Peter. Well, they say you, you should have peppermint shoes. At least when he puts his foot in his mouth, it tastes good. You know, that whole, get behind me, Satan. But Lord, Lord, we're out there. No, 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 get behind me, Satan. You talk of this world's agenda. I speak of my kingdom, the kingdom that I've established agenda, not from this world. Get behind me, Satan. Peter, the Lord has asked to, the Satan has asked to sift you like wheat. But I've prayed for you that you would stand, that you would stand strong. And when your faith has been tested, that you would then be able to help and restore and work with the brothers to make them strong. Lord, Lord, I will never deny you. Lord, Lord, I would never turn from you. It's so similar to our lives. Pete's up here. Living for God, keeping warm at a fire. He can see Jesus in his online. Jesus has been captured. He's been arrested. Hey, hey, weren't you, weren't you what, what, the, one, the one with Jesus? No, no, <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Okay. Hey, hey, you were, you were with Jesus. We know, aren't you one of his disciples? No, I don't know him. Wait, wait a sec, but weren't you, weren't you part of Jesus' group of guys? I don't know the man. Uh, 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 uh. 
there <laughs> to there. Now what does he do? You know that there's a portion at the end of that Luke passage where it says, and Jesus looked at Peter. Oh. When my kids have done wrong, they don't want to gain eye contact with me. You know what you're avoiding? You're avoiding eye contact. But what happened to Peter? See, the enemy didn't win by taking John the Baptist out. He has victory already. He is in glory. We will talk to him one day. Death was not victory. Death was not final because Jesus came to pay the price for that. What happened to Peter? He went and it said he wept bitterly. Cried his eyes out. The depth in his heart. I've betrayed my son, the son of Jesus. What have I done? There to there. But here's the thing. He knew too much. He knew too much once the resurrected Jesus had raised from the dead. Who's the one that ran to the tomb the quickest? And I think John says that he outran the disciple whom Jesus loved, outran Peter. They were, he's alive! He's alive! He's alive! What is that doing to his heart? His broken heart. Oh my goodness, oh my goodness, I think what he's saying was true. What he's saying was true. What he said to me was true. Oh my goodness, oh my goodness, this is real, this is real. Then he appeared to the disciples in the room. No one opened the door. There he was. Thomas wasn't there. Touched my sides. See, sitting on the beach having a braai, fish, says to Peter three times, feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. He restored him back to the full place of what his belief and the destiny of being a child and an apostle of the Almighty was called to be because he didn't lose eye contact with Jesus. And what did Peter do? After the fire fell on the day of Pentecost, 40 days Jesus was on earth, he said, wait, and the promise of the Holy Spirit will come. 10 days. We can't wait 10 minutes. 10 days, folks. Jesus, is this going to happen? What's gonna, how's it going to happen? I don't know. What, what do you think? What did he say to us? Trying to remember what he said. Did he say how's this thing's going to work? I don't know. Just honor him. Just worship. Just worship. That was the launch of the church. That prayer meeting before the Almighty God. Praying. I think 120 of them in that room crying out. Jesus, just worshiped day and night. Day and night. Praising his name. And on a day, bam, the fire of God fell. Transformed and changed them. Anything that Peter had thought that he had done and what he had um, dis uh, not disobeyed, uh, not betrayed. It's, he disowned Jesus. All that was gone, man. Far gone. Because he knew what it was to be before the Almighty God. Cleansed, pure, and holy. And an overcomer by what he'd experienced. And all the down, the testing of his face had got through. He stood in the Holy of Holies, essentially. And honored the glory of God with his life. And preached the most powerful sermon in history. And 3,000 got added to the church. If we had that happen to us, we wouldn't know what to do. Let's not even try and contemplate it. It's coming. We've tarried. We've waited in this place for God to move. Tarried and we've waited. We don't know what it's going to look like. We don't know when it's going to come. 
Well, there's more now pouring, but God's priming us for something. And I'm telling you, this is what He's asking you to do. Do not get stuck in the soulish realm of cycling around the things in your life that you think you will never overcome. I want to ask you four questions quickly. We very quickly say, I'm under attack from the enemy. Okay? You know what happens? I'll ask you four questions here. Have I opened any doors in my life or keep opening doors in my life for the enemy to have legal access in my life? If you keep watching that stuff, if you keep condoning that stuff, if you keep acting that way, if you keep doing all these things of our behavior that play out of us, that are the doors of of the occult, of sexual sins, anger, all these things, they are doors for the enemy to have legal access to your life. Do you want that? course you don't don't put up with it hate it you've got to start hating it because it's not what God has called you to be secondly do you have a discipline in your life of abiding in him John 15 abide in me Jesus said abide in me it's not your role to try and produce fruit just abide in me abide in the vine do you have a discipline in your life like that if you can't answer if you well, it's not yes or no, I think, in this, but you'll know the answers. I was going to say, like, if it's yes to all of these, then you're wrong. I don't know. It's mixed up there. Anyway, do I believe his blood has the power to break every chain of habit, addiction, and cycles of sin in my life? You'd all say yes, but then why do we walk in them? Okay? Do you truly believe the power of the blood will set you free? Come on. Lastly, do I know what true freedom feels and looks like, or have I just become accustomed to my weaknesses? I've embraced them as who I am, and taking this as my suffering, or my thorn in the flesh. It's not your suffering. Someone suffered for you. Someone died for you and set you free. If you can't convincingly answer those questions and you're not sure, you've got to press in deeper. You've got to press in deeper. And by the help of the Holy Spirit that He's been given to you, by the power that's invested inside of you for life and godliness, you can start operating living by where you can press in deeper to the Holy of Holies, where there's no sin, where you stand as an overcomer. You stand on the power of the blood that is given to you. And that's the place where He'll give you mandates. That's the place we'll give you assignments. I've had a response from the letters I put out in my street. Please pray for my son to be saved. He lives right next door. Chatted to him for a while, but I'm praying for him. I'm praying for him. I can't do it. Holy Spirit's going to start nudging his heart. Someone else sent a letter saying, please pray for healing and over my children and my heart's life, and then invited us to a concert to their home. <laughs> Flute and, and classical guitar on Saturday morning. So I took Aiden along. He lasted 10 minutes, and then we were done. But see, the door's opening. See, it's not this passive sitting, waiting. Out there, tell the people. Just be, just be out there. Be for them. Share the good news. But we get stuck. Oh, this is my suffering. That's not, folks. Now, as we come to this table this morning, and as we honor Jesus Christ, it's between you and him. Maybe let's just take that now. Maybe come forward now and just take some bread Take some wine or juice and stuff, and we are going to break bread together as a community and honor the Almighty God.
Okay, when you're done, you can just come back to your seats and we can maybe all stand together. Once, or you can sit, doesn't matter. Oh, it doesn't matter. However you feel comfortable. Okay, we're going to do it together as a group here. Just wait. We're all going to do it together, okay? Because I want to pray over you guys. And we're going to declare the life over the blood in us. Okay, has everybody got? We all got? Okay, we'll do this together now. Okay. So you see, now we've looked at the lives of John and we looked at the lives of Peter. There are many, Elijah. There's many stories in the Bible where the men of God and the women of God went from here to here. But they overcame. If you read Hebrews 11, it's the hall of fame, essentially, for hall of faith. For those who walked with God, you know what? They didn't fulfill and see the full promises, but they kept believing. I want you now, as we break bread, as we honor this meal together as the people of God, this is the defining meal that shapes and separates everything from any other religion where we celebrate the death and resurrection of our Jesus Christ. And you now, as you partake of this body that was broken, you speak over your life healing. Your sickness is not your suffering. The sin in your life is not your suffering. This is the suffering that you partake of now that sets you free. The blood that was shed for you is life to you. There's power in the blood. Now I want you, as you do this, every one of us, we're going to close our eyes. And I want you to look into the eyes of Jesus. And just gaze at Him. Let's just close our eyes at that point. Let's just get a picture of Him in your heart, in your mind, and gaze at Him. His, his piercing eyes will draw you closer. He's not condemning you. He's not judging you. He's telling you, come, child, follow me. Give you everything. I've paid a price for you. Those cycles, come on. I've paid the price for them. They can break. I'm drawing you deeper, deeper and deeper into my holiest of holies. When I died on that cross, that court curtain was ripped in two. From top to bottom, you now can gain access to that place. And as you walk in freedom and life. So, Father, we pray together this morning that as we partake of your body, we thank you that healing is done in our bodies. We declare that we break the cycles of habits that have held us back. We speak to the strongholds of the enemy that they get broken down and no longer will we fall into the trap of the enemy to keep falling short of all that you've got for us. So we speak life over every heart here this morning, and we declare that in Jesus' name.